Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, one of my closest friends, um, Morgan Avery McCoy. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you for having me. And hello to the listeners out there. Uh, thank you for agreeing to be back on the podcast. For uh, those who don't know, Morgan was on the podcast uh, when we first started it. Um, over a year, a year, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so she was on there talking about scandal, how to get away with sexuality, part one, and she's an actress, a former professor, entrepreneur. Um, so she wears so many hats, an author. Um, so for our listeners who didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode you were on kind of give them just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, you basically summed it up. I love God. I love people. I own my own educational entertainment company called Ma'am Inc. And I do solo performances across the country. I have three one-woman shows that I tour. Evolution of a Black Girl from the Slave House to the White House. She's Got Issues and Care for Me, the Cry of the Fatherless. And I, I do film and television work as well. So um, really love being able to engage with people and utilizing media and drama as a way to address social woes um, and bring healing to people. Yes, and she does an incredible job. So just a little plug for you that may be listening you. that have a church. She tours uh, churches all across the country and she's done college tours where she's went on tours all across the country. She just does a lot. Um, Thank you. I am. Yes. Praise the Lord. The Lord answers prayers. <laughs> you getting married December tenth. So yes. <laughs> she won't be more Morgan McCoy for long. Um, no. So Morgan, um, I brought you on today to talk about um, Domestic uh, Violence Awareness Month, um, which is in October. And it also is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And yes. um, you do a one woman show called She's Got Issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this show, you tackle um, the the issue of domestic violence. You also tackle breast cancer too, don't you? I do. Okay. Um, I actually didn't know that you, I haven't got a chance to see the one woman show yet. I, did, I saw Evolution of a Black Girl. But um, I, I haven't, the one woman show, she's got issues. So I didn't know that you tackle breast cancer too. I saw that this morning while I was looking at your website. Um, and it's, I love it by the way. Nice update. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, so what inspires you to really talk about this issue of domestic violence in your, um, your one woman show, she's got issues. On a, a personal scale, uh, several of my friends have, been in domestic violence relationships. So I've seen the effects um, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, But in addition to that, just on a more a global scale, I really think that we're at war. Um, In the war, so many people are living at war in their home. 
and like even statistically speaking, if you look at the uh, the, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, we lost 6,488 American troops. But during that same time between 2001 and 2012, 11,766 women were killed um, by their intimate partner. And so that's almost double, Mm -hmm. you know, the troops that we lost in that war. So we have a war right here in America that's taking place in the homes of so many people. And, And so I think it's something that needs to be talked about. It's not um, it's not a popular topic, but I think it's a necessary one when one in uh, every nine seconds, one woman is being beaten, you know. And so this is as a woman, even though I might not be personally being assaulted or abused because another sister is, then I need to talk about it. And so She's Got Issues is a great platform to be able to address that issue. And actually, the, the, the particular monologue, the character that I portray, she starts very comedic. And so the audience loves her. They're laughing at her, you know, and then you find out that she is being abused and she doesn't even recognize it. And so I think that um, for me, I chose to utilize that particular character because she's so lovable and likable and real. And that's, we have to know that our sisters, our aunties, our nieces, and even their men that are being abused as well, like people that we're around every day might be um, in an abusive relationship. And so that's the reason why I really wanted to address it in the show, to bring awareness, but also uh, to bring healing to women, to know that you're not the only one. Because a lot of times if you're being abused, you think there's something wrong with you, like you did something. And there's Mm -hmm. a shame, there's an embarrassment that goes. And so I wanted to incorporate that character in the show to say, hey, you're not the only one. It's not okay, but we're going to help you get through it. some avenues to do that. So it was really important for me to incorporate that character in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who, what are the different forms of abuse? I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, because a lot of times people assume that it's just physical abuse. And, and when I say just physical abuse, I mean, physical abuse is, is dangerous. It's the, the type of abuse that mostly escalates into killing. Um, and so, you know, of course, with physical abuse, there's the grabbing, the choking, the punching. And even a lot of times women will say like, well, he didn't break any bones. And that's one, one thing my character says, well, he didn't break any bones. I didn't have to go to the hospital. And there's always kind of a, you know, defense of it's not that bad. But anytime someone assaults you, um, you know, physically, that is abuse. And so that physical abuse also transcends to um, it can be sexual abuse. Sometimes people are married and are being sexually abused by their spouses. And we think that, oh, well, you know, they try to be abused or try to make it seem, well, you're my wife or you're, you know, we're married so I can do what I want. But any unwanted, unsafe or degrading sexual activity is sexual abuse. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's the physical abuse side. But then there's also emotional abuse, which although there might not be physical scars left, those emotional scars are really hard to go away. And they're just as dangerous um, as physical abuse. And so with emotional abuse, they're really chipping away at your self-worth, your value, your independence. And so, you know, the yelling, the name calling, the blaming, the shaming, the isolating you from your friends. No, you can't hang out with your friends. You know, just stay with me. These are all forms of emotional abuse. And a lot of times if you're not aware of what that abuse looks like, you might not know that you're in it. Mm-hmm. And so um, really being aware of the fact that, okay, the person that I love shouldn't be calling me out of my name. 
the person that I am married to shouldn't make me feel less than my worth. This is not what love looks like. And unfortunately, if that's all you've known for a long period of time, you begin to make yourself think that this is my normal. This is okay. Um, but in addition to um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, there's also something that I've learned like within this last year when I was at a college in Ohio, we had a counselor that comes after she's got issues and the counselor was talking about economic or financial abuse. And that was my first time learning about financial abuse where the abuser controls the finances and they withhold money or your credit cards or, you know, make you account for where this money went or not giving you basic necessities like food and clothes and, um, you know, things of that nature, just really, really controlling your finances and unfortunately a lot of women they don't leave their abuser because they feel like how will i financially make it without them you know everything that i have is tied to them and not willing to walk away or feel like they can't walk away because they won't be able to stand financially so there's multiple ways and within those those that physical abuse there are various avenues of physical abuse and and the same with emotional abuse so there some people might be a physical abuser but they never punched you they pushed you, but that's still physical abuse. Or emotional abuser might never cuss you out, but they make you feel like, you know, they, they yell at you all the time. That's still emotional abuse. So, um, and even with financial abuse, if someone is not letting you go to work or controlling the type of job you can have, that's all a, a type of financial um, abuse, which falls under emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And I know in the church, I think one of the difficult things is people um, that I've known that have experienced this there's this idea that people have to meet a certain mold in order mm -hmm. to be an abuser so right they might not think that one believes them um dr howard john wesley preached a message um recently where he talked about um Jephthah and in judges and how he's in the hallmark of faith but he killed his daughter um that's yeah what what kind of is alluded to in the text. And so he's a great man of faith, but also an abuser. And so yeah. um, how people could be two different people, they could be used by God and be abusive. So right. it's sometimes hard for people to reconcile that. Um, mm -hmm. And in your experience going to churches and ministering to women, how many women do you see um, that have been abused that are in church? Oh my goodness. I would say at least, and that's a low number. Um, when I, I've done this show for the past two years and every time I do the show, I have, you know, after the show, the women write on their cars what their issues are. And I pray over them, myself and my team, we pray over those issues for a month, just believing God for healing for those women. But even after the show, so many women come up to me saying, my husband has been beating me for 15 years. Yeah. I was left for dead. And that's the reason why I left. My spouse, who was a minister, you know, was abusive. And so, I mean, it's really heartbreaking. And, and really, many of these women, they fellowship together. They go to church together. They worship together. But none of them knew that they were all going through the same thing until somebody said something after the show. And, it, and so, um, you know, it's sad. It really is. And it's heartbreaking because there are so many hurting women of God, you know, and they're being hurt oftentimes by their spouses who are 
Christians as well, you know, and, and you're right. It is hard to reconcile. Okay, I see you preaching in the pulpit, yet you're yelling at me at home. Or I see, you know, you serving as an usher, but you you are, are constantly financially abusing me at home. And so, like, what do you do with that? And so I think that for, for one thing is that for these women to know that what's really taking place, that it's not okay. And I think that's something that we have to be willing to address in the body of Christ where we can call, we can call a spade a spade, if you will. Like, if, if it's wrong, say it's wrong. And then let's figure out how we can move forward. But let's not pretend like it doesn't exist. I think that's been the problem in the church and specifically in the black church where a lot of times we don't talk about the hard stuff and we have to, we have to begin to talk about it. And that's where the healing comes. That's where the deliverance comes. That's where the, the action plans are to be put in place to help people walk in wholeness and healing for real. Cause you know, the word of God tells us that, you know, Jesus died so that we can be free, you know, he, and he, uh, took on the pains and the sins of this world so we can walk in healing. And that healing doesn't just mean physical healing, but it means emotional healing too. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of these women that I have seen from my shows, they are hurting and they need, they need help. And, uh, and we have to do more than pray. We can pray, but then we need to see how, whatever action plans we can put into place to further help them as mm-hmm. well. What do you think some practical things churches can do to help uh, bring this issue to light um, besides preaching on it? Um, what What are some practical advice you would give to leaders who are listening? Yeah, I would suggest that all leaders really further educate themselves, like have conversations with domestic violence prevention organizations there in your community and speaking to counselors and gleaming the wisdom that they have and finding information resources so when you when when a woman comes into your ministry or a man comes into your ministry or even a child because now they're teenagers that are being uh, that are in intimate partner violence so whoever comes and they need help that you have the adequate resources to point them in the right direction so i really think it's important for um leaders to be educated on how to approach and handle a domestic violence situation because um Education is key because what you don't want to do is say something that will cause the person to put themselves in harm's way. So I would first suggest education. But then I also would suggest having a ministry uh, for women and for men as well, for women that have been abused or, or for people that have been in an abusive relationship. Maybe somebody that has been in your church that has come out in an abusive relationship that can really help um, those who have escaped. Because a lot of times there's because people that have been abused have been isolated for so long, they don't feel like they have a support system. So if they can find that support system in the body of Christ, what better place to go? And so having that available and that not only can be great for in reach, that can be great for outreach because there could be other people in the community looking for looking for some a reprieve. And if they come to you all, to your ministry, to your church, then that not only can give them what they need physically, but it can prayerfully give them what they need spiritually. But then also, and I don't see this as much as I see for, you know, there are a lot of ministries that I've gone to that have book sheets got issues that do have counseling there at their church for people that have been abused. They have a ministry for that. But what I would like to see too, which I know might seem very strange, but to also have a ministry for people that are recovering abusers that have, that are abusive and that witnessed abuse in their childhood and they've not really learn how to handle 
conflict in the proper way and like really retraining men on how their engagement with women should be and really creating an understanding of, you know, because a lot of times people will manipulate that scripture where you, you know, we're supposed, the wives supposed to submit to your husband. So they feel like they can do whatever they want to do. But the word clearly says you're supposed to submit one to another. And the husband is supposed to treat his wife like Christ you the church, which means the husband should be willing to lay his life down for his wife, not beat his wife up. Mm-hmm. And so really retraining men um, on what that relationship and engagement really looks like. And I think that we would see a, a healthier family dynamic. So mm-hmm. education, uh, ministries, accessibility, and also creating resources and connections with agencies in your community um, so you can point your your uh, members to the right direction would be my suggestion for, for leaders. That's great. And I mean, also when that we talk about that counseling dynamic, um, we talk about that frequently um, when we talk about, since both of us are leaders in ministry, and that counseling component is so vital um, to talk yes, through it um, It's not only when we talk about domestic violence, sometimes the idea is just men with women, and you mentioned it, women also are violent towards men, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is on the rise um, as well. So I think, you know, um, sometimes women don't think through like things that are abusive, like yes. yelling at your husband for no reason and mm-hmm. be just out the mouth because people are out the mouth towards you as a child, throwing things that you might, you know, throwing the phone, slamming, flat, uh, slashing people's tires. Those are right. forms of abuse. Busting the windows out somebody's car. Those are right. abusive tactics. You know, you know, yeah. threatening some to anytime you threaten to harm somebody, just because uh-huh. it's a woman doing it to men to a man doesn't mean that it's not um violence. So um, you know, people have to we have to all remember love isn't violent. Um That's true. And, you know, in any way, shape, or form, love doesn't put down. And so if you have those tendencies nobody even if a person is is being loving towards you if it, if you're not right within yourself it's going to come out so you have to let god heal you um because that's true i heard td jake said i never met a man that did that didn't that beat his wife that loved himself and mm-hmm. so he he explained it this way if he's beating his wife he's he's he was in a fight with himself first and abusing mm. himself mentally, and then whoever he joined himself with now, because they're one, now gets the punches that he was once wow. himself. And so I thought that was a very good point. So I think, you know, that self-healing, that self-awareness is vital because if not, you'll join yourself to someone and abuse them. And um, so I think that's, that's very important. What would you like to leave with our listeners about this topic? I would like to encourage um, the listeners to, if you know somebody that you've noticed red flags, you notice that they're being isolated, they seem afraid of their partners, they they have injuries and they don't want to explain why or they can't explain where they come from, say something. Um, And I I would encourage you to begin to pray and intercede on behalf of them and also on behalf of the person they're in relationship with. And 
um, there's a, a counselor told me some do's and don'ts. And I just would like to share that with you because I didn't know, you know, with one of my friends that was in an abusive relationship, as soon as she started telling me what her uh, boyfriend was doing, I said, girl, you need to get out. You know, that was my initial response. This is crazy. You know what I mean? And that is the worst thing that you can do. So I've been told and I learned my lesson because she stopped talking to me for a time because you have to understand that a lot of times those that are being abused, they're constantly being controlled and being told what to do. And so if you as their friend or their sister, their brother, whoever, you tell them what to do, they put you in, the, there's a block up because they've been constantly being controlled. Mm -hmm. And so instead of telling someone, you know, ask them, is something wrong? Express your concern. Um, listen to them. You know, if you ask them a question, make sure you listen and then you validate them as you listen and just offer your help. Like, hey, girl, I'm here for you. Hey, brother, I want you to know I'm here. You know, you have me because they feel like they're alone. And so mm -hmm. letting them know that you are not alone and supporting them in their decisions. I know for me, I was ready to write. One of my friends off, I kept trying to get her to, out of the situation. And I was like, you need to leave this person now. And I, I was just, I felt like, you know, you need to get out of it. And this is dangerous. But one, of, one thing that I've learned in the course of my shows is that it takes oftentimes someone seven times before they leave. Seven times of thinking about leaving before they actually leave in an abusive relationship. And if you, you know, thinking that, Okay, if I tell her I'm going to stop talking to you, if you don't leave him alone, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Don't call me anymore. And that could be their fifth time or their sixth time. And they might need you one more time, but you kind of wipe your hands to them, um, thinking that it's going to force them to do something different. So don't give don't give ultimatums. You know, I'm just really be there as a support, because the, as long as you're able to communicate with them, then you can ask them questions. Do you think this is a healthy relationship for you? Do you think this is God's best for you? Do you feel safe and allow them to come with conclusions? Because when they come up with it on them, their own, you know, when they're thinking about it themselves, then it sticks more than you telling them what to do and them knowing that they have you as an advocate. And the main reason why you want to stay in communication with them is because you know that you can go to God in prayer, that you can bombard heaven on behalf of your friend, your niece, your sister, your brother, whoever. Um, and you know what's going on so you can speak to the Lord about the situation. So I really encourage you to research and learn. And for anybody out here, anybody listening, and you are afraid of your partner, love should, you should not be afraid of the person that's supposed to love you. And so I really want to encourage you to know that you deserve to be loved. You deserve to be valued. You deserve to be respected. And love should not hurt like that. And I am. I want you to know that you're not alone in this and that God has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan, I believe, includes someone who will love you the way that, uh, that he destined for you to be loved. Amen. Amen. And, and um, also there is a um, domestic violence hotline number. Yes. It's 1-800-799-722. Three three. That's a, again. That's one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. And for um, Morgan, how can our listeners get in contact with you? Um, and if they want to yeah. book your show, um, what's your social media handles? 
Uh, I'm always teasing Morgan because she doesn't really do social media like that. But I know I'm trying to get better, man. Um, but you can't you can't reach me. I do I do Facebook, you know, pretty often compared to everything. But uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Morgan Avery McCoy, M O R G A N A V E R Y M C C O Y, and my website is Morgan Avery McCoy as well. Um, I do want to put in a plug. I, I'm doing my show this weekend in Richmond, Virginia at um, at the Fashion for the Kingdom Women's Conference. It's going to be a powerful conference. Uh, Clarissa Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe's daughter is one of the keynote speakers, and I'll be speaking after the show. And then next weekend, October 22nd, I'll be at the St. Paul's Baptist Church under the leadership of Dr. Lance Watson. I'll be doing She's Got Issues for the Silence Covers Up Violence, uh, Domestic Violence Prevention Symposium on uh, next Saturday at 9 a.m. and that's a free event. So for more information, andrewmccoy.com. And I pray that you continue to walk in healing and wholeness that the Lord has for you. And thank you, my sister Lisa, for inviting me to come on the show. Thank you, I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com. Um, backslash Jude 3 project and remember you can donate on our site so if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you help support us financially um, by going on our website at jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating consider donating to us thank you so much remember at the Jude 3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it